This week, the week of September 18th, 2023, is the week of the United Nations 2030 Sustainable Development Summit in New York City. Why is this important? Well, it's because it's officially the halfway mark since the 2030 SDG goals were put into place. For today's episode, I thought it was just the right time to speak to not only a good friend of mine, but also a trailblazing advocate for the SDGs. Her name is Rachel Svetnoff, and in this conversation, we're going to look at the Sustainable Development Goals from a beginner's lens. What are they? What do they represent? And what we can do as a collective to do and be better. And I also get her honest opinion of just how well we're doing to reach the 17 goals by the year 2030. Here's a little bit about Rachel. Rachel is a youth activist and social entrepreneur with a history of supporting efforts to meet the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, contributing to over 100 projects with 112 organizations across 35 countries. In May 2023, Rachel was selected to become a visiting associate of policy and practice at the University of Notre Dame, where she received her master's in global health. Rachel co-founded the youth organization Global Futurist Initiative and founded the Project Energy for Life Cameroon Consortium. She also started her own consulting practice as well. She's worked at UNICEF USA, Johnson & Johnson, Eli Lilly & Company, and Purdue University. Receiving numerous appointments and over 30 awards, Rachel is a sought-out speaker and actively contributes to published works on matters concerning youth, sustainable development, and human rights. Thanks for being here. My name is Hethel Bauman, and this is The Global Health Pursuit. Rachel, hi, how are you doing? Good. Oh my God. You know, we were just talking right before I hit record and I was like, you know, I'm thinking I've been trying to get Rachel on the podcast for so long. Keeps getting delayed. Rachel has all of these amazing things in, you know, in the pipeline. And I'm like, let's just talk. You know, the Sustainable Development Goal Summit is coming up. Actually, when I release this episode, it'll be that week of the summit. So it'll be great timing for you guys to listen to this episode. But I think on this episode, I really, I really want to talk to Rachel about kind of her journey. You know, I was thinking about this today, Rachel, where people in my life, a lot of people in my life, you know, they don't even know what the word or that what the term SDG is. You know, I was telling my fiance, oh, yeah, like, I was talking to somebody about the SDG summit that was coming up. And he's like, what's SDG? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is something that almost, I think every single company that's running in this world should know, right? However small, however big. But that's something that I think 
we need to talk about today. I think we need to talk about how to get more youth involved in the goals and just just kind of I was just telling her I was like let's just shoot the shit like let's just let's <laughs> let us just talk about what is going on. So Rachel, enough talking on my end. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of a little bit about your journey to how you got to where you are today? Sure. And thank you so much for the introduction. I I think it's been very long overdue since I've been on the podcast, at least by myself. I do recall that when we had Global Health Pursuits, that Lumbi Malambo from JB Dondolo and I were doing this together. So it's really nice to... To, to, to come back and to be part of this in a way that it captures, in some ways, access to clean water, but also expanding it to all matters of the betterment of the quality of life for people and our uh, our inhabitants of the earth. So in that way... Inhabitants of like, the earth. I love how you say that. Yeah. Because that's not just human, right? That's not exactly. just human. That's plants, animals. Exactly. It is... Well, we are, we're stewards of the earth and whether it is protecting our oceans or the land itself, or even the air quality, you know, we're all connected and we all need to think of ourselves as that connective tissue to it all, because we are, you know, the most cognitive, cognitive (laughs) and cognizant species. So Mm. it's, it's really good to see, you know, like how a lot of people have come together and have brought on this collective action and individual responsibility, you know, in the way that, you know, inspired the blueprint for the sustainable development goals. But to capture a little bit about my eclectic background, as everybody <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> I love it. I, I it's It really is like almost inspired by the SDGs, not on purpose, but just because like, I love helping and, and being able to be part of like various social environmental causes, you know, from championing, like just helping to help in, in my local community with like different shelters or food assistance programs to the more globally thinking uh, system strengthening of, of healthcare there's, it's about living life to the fullest. And that's the way that mm. I feel that I really do that. So I'd like to like, I guess like my tagline is I've worked to contribute to all 17 sustainable development goals across 37 countries with over 110 organizations. <laughs> but like, that's, that's the spiel. <laughs> yeah, that's like, you know, the quick tagline. But really, it's it's just about being present. Because I know that, you know, through, I guess, my lived experience, that while I cannot change the past, I can always do the most today for a better tomorrow. That's, you know, more philosophical background, <laughs> but you know, it, it's very much like who I am through and through. All the yeah, same. it definitely... I think captures your essence. You know, one question I wanted to ask you was, there's always some type of event or situation that happens in people's lives that kind of turns their 
almost their compass to a specific direction, right? And I know that your background educationally is within global health and public health. What brought you to, was there a specific time in your life that was like, you know what, that's actually what's calling my soul. You know, that's actually what I want to do. Because in my experience, for me, you know, my background is in from, you know, my family is from India. I have a South Asian background. I, I really didn't think about, quote unquote, the sustainable development goals, the poverty alleviation, what's going on in the world, climate change, all of that stuff until way later on in life. And that was like post getting my engineering degrees. That was post, you know, doing the work that I thought that I had to do to kind of just move up in life. Just, you know, live in the matrix life, literally like <laughs> doing what my parents was were telling me to do and thinking that that's just going to be how I live my life, right? And for me, starting this podcast, it was like the first the first experience that I had was when I went back to India and actually understood, hey, oh my gosh, there's a big city here, but then there's a wall that kind of just divides the poor people with the yeah. with high capitalism and businesses and all of that. And then that's kind of my first experience that started all of the questions I had, right? Start, it made me kind of snowball into somebody that just wanted to ask questions. And then obviously this podcast happened so that I could facilitate those questions. And so I wanted to ask you, was there an experience or a situation or something that happened to your in your life that kind of led you down this path that tell you, you know, that where you said, okay, I'm going to study a master's in global health because this is what I'm passionate about. And this is why. Oh, you know, that was so long winded. Like, I feel like (laughs) I need to edit that out, but I think I might just keep it because I just, you know, this is funny because like when you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening right now, like this is very different from all the other episodes because I just feel Rachel's my friend, you know, even though we've never met in person, like we are friends. And so this is just, it's going to feel like that. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's very much like what it's, I I refer to these as like tea times. Oh, yes. For afternoon tea. Mm, But you know, I actually have my tea with me right now. Oh, I wish I had one. You know, I have like a cup to like, you know, personify it. So Mm, mm -hmm, I got, but it's empty right now. I should have some water on me or something. And normally I do, but whatever. It's It's been a day. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, but I really appreciate your question. And it's a question I get asked all too often, because it's almost in some ways, a validating question, and also a question that almost has to have some sort of logic behind it. And in some ways, I feel that my answer defies it. Like, Mm. there wasn't no singular point. I mean, I can go through, you know, the, the, the story of my life, you know, in a way that encaptures, okay, I guess like, you know, this builds up to that, but I almost feel that life is a journey. And even mm-hmm. my, prof- my professional career is a journey and that changes over time. You know, it's not right. necessarily 
binary between, oh, this is the path and this is what you're going to do. And yeah. in a way that's like, you know, this was, you know, your your choice or your parents' choice and, you know, that's it. For me, I I can at least give you like, you know, some, some real, real uh, in that when I was in college, my dad unexpectedly passed away when I was a freshman mm-hmm. and that altered the course of who I thought I was going to be. I would say that, and but that didn't mean that like I knew where I was going. I know that. Did we ever that- know we were where were we going? Like I didn't know where I was going when I was in college. I was like, I'm just going to take these classes because apparently <laughs> my my curriculum says that I need to take these classes, so I'm just going to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I mean, you, but I see some you some young people and leaders today that like they knew exactly what they're going to be and mm-hmm. they went mm-hmm. out and did it, and I applaud them. And it's and it's always inspiring to see that you know from our generation generations before us to what we see after too and our our successors you know for the world to come and it's it's always amazing to see and in my case i guess it wasn't amazing per se (laughs) you know when i had that like you know that that change because not only did my dad pass away i was you know from that you know it was a traumatic loss so i was struggling with grades and this and that and the other like right after my dad passed away you know not but a year later like we were forced to like you know sell our house and so we were even homeless for a few months i that's happened to me twice to where you know in in terms of like you know homelessness or should i say at least houselessness yeah, we were living in a hotel room for at least three months, I remember. And if it wasn't for the fact that we were in college to have a place to go back to in terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, student dormitories, I I don't know what we would have done. Honestly, to this day, like I, I can't even think about it because it wasn't an outcome that actually happened. So it's not going to be, you know, worth analyzing, you right. know, overanalyzing, but, you know. All the what ifs. Mm-hmm. All, yeah, exactly. All the what ifs. But one of those you know, outcomes was I did terrible on the MCAT. So much like I'm sure you have experienced or your friends. My I didn't even bother me. taking the MCAT. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's not happening. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was studying in the hotel room for the MCAT. And I was actually shifting from like place to place from my friend's house to my uncle's house to the hotel room trying to, to take this MCAT. And I did awful. I actually, I'm pretty sure my score was an 18. So <laughs> and the either, score is out of or, what, or like 30 something? Yeah, out of like yeah. 37. Or actually, it was out of 45 at the time. Okay. So, you know, it was astronomically terrible. And yeah, like that is where I was like, okay, Obviously, I'm not going to get into medical school right after undergraduate. I need to do something in a way that still facilitates that that parental guidance, like to lightly say of you're going to be a doctor, do things that I think that I can potentially do with myself, you know, that can help me get to the next chapter. And I literally, senior year, did not know what public health or global health was until I stumbled into my pre-med advisor's office at my school, to which there was only one that served 40,000 students at the time. So, I mean, yeah, now that alone is something. But in terms of like just finding, you know, like and how I became myself, I guess, 
like it it was just randomly when i when i just mm, was yeah. there and i said hey you know this is what do i do from here and she's like well there's there's public health and there's post baccalaureate programs and i'm like what's public health and so she explained to me what it was and i'm like cool all right i'm going to go do cool. that <laughs> it sounds sounds good enough cuz i i and i distinctly remember asking between a post bac program versus a public health masters which one is like a better you know fallback she said public health so I was like, all right, I'm going to do that one then. So I just, re I only applied to two schools. That was, and <laughs> the audacity that I had at the time to apply to <laughs> Yale and Notre Dame. <laughs> I still don't know how or why, but those are the only two schools I applied to. And I got into Notre Dame and that was one of my dream, uh, one of my other dream schools I wanted to go to when I was an undergrad. So it was a little bit of a full circle moment. So mm. yeah, that was, that's kind of, and, and then when I was in my program, I absolutely fell in love with how public health and global health more specifically, because the Notre Dame's uh, Master of Science in Global Health program is a very research intensive, scientific based approach to global health. I fell in love with everything that they were teaching us, like, and in a way that I was like, okay, I don't want to do one-on-one -on -one direct patient interaction mm -hmm. or go to medical school. I love big projects. I love seeing the interconnections and the connective tissue between uh, global health development, poverty, you know, and what right. eventually became the SDGs because the year that I went to school was in 2014 when they were just about to release right the SDGs that. for the first mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So it was it was an extraordinarily like coincidental time to be there and hear from my professors talk about how they are about to release because a lot of these professors were adjunct faculty that had appointments at like the CDC and right. at the World Health Organization you know they they had you know different you know backgrounds themselves that weren't you know the traditional academic path although of course we had those as well for different classes but in any case that it was really interesting and exciting to hear. And we were taught in, in, I remember in global health challenges class about the millennium development goals and how they were about to become the sustainable development goals. But since they weren't released, not everything is like certain yet in terms of what they yeah. look like or anything. But I, I, I actually genuinely remember that moment. And so yeah, the, it's, it's very much like ingrained in my brain and like, kind of like, you know, just sparked my interest. And since then, what inspired me really, or what should I say attracted me to the SDGs are the colors. I just love colors. That's just <laughs> who I am. Literally, I loved coloring when I was a child. And I, <laughs> I, was, I love pretty colors and sparkly bright things. It's that simple. There's <laughs> oh my God. Like trauma meets, meets glitter. <laughs> I, that is so funny. Well, okay, so... You were literally there when they, or you were in school right before they mm -hmm. changed, they developed the sustainable development goals. You were like basically right on the forefront of like everything that was happening. And like you, I also didn't know like what public health was. I didn't know what global health was like probably until like the last six or seven years. Mm -hmm. That's something that I never really ex was exposed to at that time. And engineering was my fallback. You know, the, mm -hmm. I remember you said like, what's a good fallback? Should I do public health? Should I do this postback? Do the public health. And mm -hmm. it's really interesting how your 
journey kind of got diverted from pursuing the whole medical profession to public health just because of asking that question of like, what should I do? Because I know that I'm not going to go to medical school. I got 18 on my map. I don't know how <laughs> what you actually got. But I know the feeling, you know. I know the feeling. I never even knew about engineering. Like, I didn't even think about engineering before going to college. Because, That's so funny. Like, yeah. I, like, like, I'm like, for- I'm 18. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to study bio or chem. Uh Because I'm not sure what I'm going to do with those degrees after college. So what's a better degree to get? (laughs) And literally just logicked it out in my mind. And I just did that. So it's so funny how like the universe just guided you into this field that you're actually so passionate about. And in in a similar way, you know, I've been guided kind of out of engineering. I'm using the skill sets I've learned from my engineering degree in in doing this podcast, in asking these questions to people, it's really, it's just so interesting. Okay, so SDGs, can you explain what do the sustainable development goals mean? And why do you think, why were they created? For someone who is listening to the podcast and like, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, I actually never really even knew about the SDGs. Can you explain to some, you know, to our listeners, like, what does this mean? Sure. Yeah. So to answer directly first and then to actually, you know, go back to that engineering part, because there's a funny story. <laughs> the sustainable development goals are a blueprint literally to better improve the quality of life for the world. And I mean the world. So that Mm -hmm. includes whether that is stewarding, you know, for plants, for flora, for fauna, for all life, and even for the ecosystems that are driven by the earth itself. It is essentially all of that combined into this framework categorized by 17 goals that each have their own set of targets and indicators to which there are 169 targets to measure against for this improvement overall as a matter of transparency, accountability, and cooperation. So through the 17 goals, to which I I actually can list them out by memory, they (laughs) deal at various standpoints between poverty to global equality, economic prosperity, national, or I should I say international and national security, various social and environmental and economic causes that entail with meeting, you know, to the end of that betterment. So in that way, it has been uh, adopted by all 193 members of the United Nations back in 2015 through the 2030 Sustainable Development Agenda, to which this year, 2023, we are at its midpoint, to which there are only seven years left for the world to achieve these goals. Now, I was reading on the UN.org. So I was, yeah, so I was doing some just digging online. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting because what they say is the agenda is a promise, but not a guarantee. 
At the halfway mark, the promise is in deep peril. For the first time in decades, development progress is reversing under the combined impacts of climate disasters, conflict, economic downturn, economic, if I can speak, economic downturn, and lingering COVID-19 effects. The SDG Summit serves as a rallying cry to recharge momentum for world leaders to come together, reflect on where we stand, and resolve to do more. So that's that's kind of you know, that's the agenda for the summit that is happening. You know, in, in September, the week that we're releasing this. And I wanted I wanted to ask you like what are your thoughts on being at the halfway point, you know, seeing what we've done as the UN from the beginning of this, right? From the beginning at 2015. Like, Sure. I mean, so the way that I would frame this and particularly like something that I also want to touch upon just to like, mm-hmm. beca- you know, for, for the sake of this podcast being like a global health issue and yeah. demonstrating like how all of how health for humanity is and Actually, there's a new term called One Health, which is the uh, health of people, planet, and uh, I think it's animals. Uh, you know, it's it's like population health. It's it's becoming like its own its own like subcategory within population health, which is a subcategory within like public and global health. Yeah. But in any case, it very much like encaptures the essence of the global goals. And and of course, good health and well being, which is which is SDG three, is certainly a part of the sustainable development goals. So I just wanted to back up quickly about that. But like yeah. in the way that you asked about, you know, we are at the midpoint, we mm-hmm. are we have these impeding crises, you know, what what do we do? Or like how do we where do we begin? And as somebody who has been an activist in this space for a number of years now, honestly, probably since I learned about them back in 2015, I, there was a part of me that was, you know, advocating for them even as a as a student. The honest answer to that is just that we just need to be out of our own way to get out of our mm. own way. Nobody else is causing climate change. I don't see, you know, bears or wolves or whatever, you know thinking about this or plants or plants <laughs> actually they're they're trying to help <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's it just comes down to us and if we don't get out of our own way then there really isn't a future with the rise and the advent of ai a lot of people are speculating that humans are going to evolve you know through ai but in what sense, though? That's like really interesting point that you're saying. Like, what do you sure. mean by that? Well, it it com- it's really different for between perspectives. At least from my own, I've thought about this like probably way before like the the hype and the and the fray has started with like ChatGPT. I think that like really just like catapulted interest in AI, which is both good and you know it has its, it has its pros and cons. But for myself, I've always thought that, you know, if we collectively, like, you know, cease to exist as a species, I know that we're trying to mitigate that. And we should, you know, like, try to continue that, of course, that AI is eventually going to develop like a sort of, con- co- you know, cognizance or awareness, at least, and go from there. And I, 
interestingly enough, refer to iRobot, even though it, everybody has a lot of problems with it based on the book and, you know, the movie, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I swear, like there, there's some modicum of truth in there. And that's yeah. what I go to. Like, I don't think of anything else really when I think of like the evolution of, of our species, like, and it's, and it's in a way that still encaptures the humanity of, you know, like what, you know, the robots in that story, undergo because Sonny, you know, at the end of the movie, you know, comes to release all the old robots, because you know, from being oppressed by, you know, these like, you know, mega Terminator ones. It was just really interesting. But like, I feel like and I and I say feel because that's a distinct, like, you know, human emotion. It's like a, a metaphor thing. for what's happening. Yeah, that's there's, you know, there's 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 an in, there's something there. And I just don't think that we're one prepared to really know and i you know like with all things evolution they just it just comes with time it's almost like falling asleep where it happens very slowly but at the same time all at once um mm. so i feel and that is safe i feel again just because like I can't know and I can't even speculate because it's not like I, you know, even charter anything relating to AI, at least right now. Um, We'll see. You know, my my professional journey, if anything, has taught me anything. It's just that it just goes wherever. (laughs) Right. At this point that it's going to be, you know, it's just going it's just going to happen. And we'll we'll be there when it does. So, and because I do think that it will happen like sometime within our lifetime that we start to really see different ways of society, like kind of like formulating itself. You know, it's funny. I was just at home in New York and I have my uncle and aunt from Georgia came up to visit us and they were talking about some type of AI that was coming out that would allow for us to speak to our pets and to animals. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a translative translational translation service or something like that, that was sure. basically powered by AI. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, they already can determine that trees speak to each other and you can actually kind of speak through trees. Like I, and I, and this is like nothing. I, I just remember that there was a scientific study and I could just be completely misinterpreting this that you can hear like the music that trees produce and you, and I know that trees can at least warn each other that, you know, like fire or something's coming. doesn't mean that they can do anything about it, but you know, that's like there is a network or something. Like yeah. That. that there's a network system and that I can follow up with like in different articles, et cetera. But you know, to relate all this back to your question, what do you think of the goal, the goals is that it almost seems like it is a blueprint for evolution of our society, not evolution as in we're all going to be robots. Though you know, with AI rising, a lot of people in my fields are actually speculating that, you know, technology needs to be, you know, like further included in the goals. And at least SDG 17, it, there is a specific target help looking at, how many people in the world can attain a broadband access to the internet affordably as well. So that's, you know, one step in that direction, but the speculation of including AI or other like, you know, technological advancements is becoming more and more at the forefront of the SDG. So that is also like how it actually connects. I I seem to feel that I'm like building up like, you know, the, to the the punchline and not, 
explaining not what's punching. behind the punchline. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I keep backtracking because there's there's a, there's a method to my madness. I just tend to like skip a beat. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, when you when you ask, you know, what do I think of the goals? I do think of them in mostly an optimistic way, but, you know, still cautious optimism, even though like we have, you know, these real urgent and dire crises. Maybe I'm just like glass half full type of person, but yeah. I tend to think that we will prevail, that life always has a way to persist and that perseverance is what's going to keep us going at the end of the day. Because specifically when you mentioned COVID as, you know, a, a huge barrier to achievement and actually, you know, even like progressing backwards and backsliding against the targets and goals, we did find a way to overcome that challenge as a, as, as a world. Even though there were many setbacks and many mm -hmm. challenges to getting there, you know, a vaccine was produced and it was mass distributed across the right. world. Now, of course, there's, you know, if we, and uh, these are extremely broad strokes. It's like taking, you know, a, a like a whale and trying to fit a whale into a pinhole <laughs> in terms of all of the, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, remember, I don't have any other better. <laughs> a whale in a pinhole. I don't know. I don't know. Rachel Svetnoff, everyone. <laughs> amazing great great sound bite <laughs> oh my god we better make a clip off of this but like you know just just to finish is that like you know even though the, this is extremely broad strokes of you know this optimism and we have like all these issues of of equity you know in terms of like you know what like why like you know some countries receive vaccine doses versus others but at the end of the day and the way that it relates to covid in general is that while there are these barriers there have also been successes right. and that success and that persistence is what's going to help us continue and to hopefully actually thrive instead of only survive. That's a really good way of putting it. Thrive instead of only survive. Yeah. So I want to I want to pivot and and talk about like I wanted to talk about the youth assembly that you were just at just a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I'm recording this. Talk about the importance of that and what kind of what went on over there yeah no would love to and the way that it relates to the sdgs as well is that the youth assembly is put on by the formerly known as american field service but just known today as afs intercultural programs to gather the world's young leaders that are making a difference for the communities based upon achieving the sustainable development goals and it was very honored enough to be selected as a finalist for the AFS Young Global Citizen Award wow. amongst six other candidates and as the only American on among the finalists, it was doubly an honor in that way. And it hasn't even been the first time that I was the only American involved with different like fellowship opportunities, etc. But it was it was it was still meaningful in a way that while I was the only American, I was also representing a community that is near and dear to me. And of course, one of your previous guests on the podcast, it's Elvis Nandazi and of course the Cameroonian community that we are helping through the Project Energy for Life Cameroon Consortium. So it was through that project 
and especially to meet SDG 7, 3, and 8, um, which is clean energy, good health, and economic inclusion uh, that I was able to showcase and really highlight, you know, the way that the Cameroonian community has uplifted itself, as well as showcase, you know, community-centered leadership. And to be able to be part of that was, was truly remarkable. And also celebrating the International Youth Day at the UN headquarters was the cherry on top. And reconnecting with many of my United Nations Association of the USA members and colleagues was even more spectacular. It's the sprinkles, <laughs> sprinkles <laughs> of this on top. awesome Sunday. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was, it was great all around. It was fantastic. And I, and I was really lucky to also have my co-founder from Global Futures Initiative there as part of the Youth of Assembly and able to speak to one of the panels uh, about education. What really matters in the world uh, was the panel that I was serving on. So yeah, I got to highlight many different angles of the work that I do, explaining a little bit of the eclectic style of my professional journey. But it all relates to helping achieve the sustainable development goals. And the way that, and it, it actually reminds me of last night where I was on a call with the United States Global Leadership Coalition Next Generation Fellows Program. And uh, through that, we were asked a number of questions about pretending that you are part of the Model UN. What would you do in this situation when developing a relationship? you know, with another country. And we talked about how we can do that through environmental protection as a core focus area and how youth are the mobilizers of mm -hmm. environmental protection, but also the mobilizers and accountability holders for the global goals. And that's what was also like just really nice to be able to make that connection that did not actually come from me or, you know, first at least. Yeah. <laughs> I was really glad to, and just like, you know, it just felt good to hear other people mention that without me having to beat on my drum type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that was really like a nice, like, you know, final finalization of like, you know, what it captured, you know, like this month in terms of like the ability to see youth collectively and, and, and do mean collectively, like, you know, a lot of young people don't see like borders or, you know, these differences in a way that, you know, prevents them from interacting and trying to engage diplomatically and in a way that, you know, aligns with, you know, the interests of the global goals that has been, yeah, inspiring, but also like always a fresh perspective, you know, to, a, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Have you seen a big difference between the generations in bringing, bringing upon action within the sustainable development goals. Like if I were to compare like millennial to Gen Z, what, what do you see? Because I mean, you're on the forefront, right? What, what are your thoughts on that? Mm. I do think that at least in terms of operationalizing the SDGs that millennials, Gen Z, and, you know, likely to see this from, you know, Gen Alpha, that 
we're going to see much more environmentally conscious or socially conscious group almost intuitively as opposed to having to be taught to that. I mean, I also I also think that social media has a huge implication in that too, right? Because when somebody, mm. I, I mean, in my mind, I feel like Gen Z, if they feel like super passionate about something, it's all over the place. You know, it is like you, you scroll on TikTok and you see it, you know, so it's like almost utilizing social media for good. And I've seen that a lot more within the younger generations. Yes, definitely. And it's but one thing to keep in mind is that I do think that when we were younger in I you know, the millennial generation is just it's fascinating. It's fascinating in its own ways because I feel that there are like micro, you know, generations within the millennial within generation. Within it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe like other people feel that way too, that there's more like, they call it, I think there's zillennials, but like with an X and then there's millennials, like true millennial. And then there's like zillennials with a Z. Mm. And I even think that there's a little bit of in between all of those as well. And some people have been able to really capture that like almost a year by year difference. And maybe that's just because we are millennials. So we understand, you know, like our generation best, but it almost seems that, you know, the micro generation within this generation there's some val- i think that there is some some validity there and the at with uh social media profligating that and and continuously like you know building up in a way that expands our collective consciousness as well as almost like holds us accountable in some ways yeah mm-hmm. um whether that's because you know there's the you know the the cancel culture term and there actually, there's some merit behind that, you know, that actually came out of the, you know, the Me Too movement to, you know, really put forth, you know, what sexual harassment is like in the workplace originally. Um, but the way that it is also, you know, like just in everyday life, you know, like the gender-based violence that, you know, mostly women and girls face and not to discredit, you know, that, you know, men feel that way or that anybody else feels that way, you know, not even to to categorize it binarily, but just the way that sexual harassment is and how it's like not okay in general, that we see social media facilitate that, that also collects the, you know, proverbial receipts. It's proof. It's evidence. And that's because like our justice system collectively isn't perfect, but where, where we see evidence, you know, that's what always builds up, you know, for, you know, making that case and and to making like, you know, real action happen. And that's why, and the way that this relates to the goals is that the collect the, the action of, you know, like always having evidence and dra- data driven measures mm. to show that what is being done is actually being done is pivotal to everything that we're doing. So I can, I can definitely see like, and understand why you would ask about social media because mm-hmm. of the almost new way of community that is formed on there. And it almost seems that in some cases there's a disconnect between how some people like interact in the real world versus like how they are virtually, which is why, and this is, this almost goes down too deep into a rabbit hole, but a rabbit hole nonetheless worth exploring sometimes that with this, this different way of developing your persona, that this digital essence of yourself and that uh, is, is becoming more important just from the sake of like 
privacy or data collection or, you know, like all of those uh, pieces of information that make up who you are, it digitally does affect real life outcomes too, which is also just very interesting, but also like, you know, has its, its consequences. I will say to, to wrap that up is that, you know, cause you asked like, you know, how social media is, you know, propagated like through youth and the way that youth respond to the global goals yes. and why they are the driving mechanism is because intuitively, you know, since they are so adept at uh, social media, they are building that evidence and almost like that citizen generated data to mm. help facilitate real concrete actions plans, strategies oh yes. to, to achieve the goals. Yeah. And to achieve, and, and, and I, and I talk about the goals, you know, collectively you, to just also say that, of course, that in itself is an extremely broad stroke yet again, right. <laughs> but to achieve different outcomes that improve health for people that improve, um, you know, job opportunities, you know, uh, or even improve like justice systems. Like there's just, there's, there's so many different pieces of, of, of living, you know, <laughs> I say a day-to-day -day life that, that the social determinants of health, for example, you know, have that have an influence on, you know, what you consume or, and what you are putting out into the world. It's also, I mean, just keep remembering, you know, the, the fires that just happened in Maui, right? Mm -hmm. Social media is where I learned about it. And I think that it's almost like an immediate rally, you know, everyone comes out to help. And it's almost it's it's immediate, right? And I think it's just, it's just an amazing way that we're able to utilize social media to achieve those goals. I don't know, it's like, it's very, very interesting. Um, and I think that I, <laughs> I'm also like, I feel like I have a lot to learn too in that sense. There is there there's there's just a lot to capture just because like the way that I'm talking I know is extremely high level. It, this is like my my comfort zone per se is like talking in this almost philosophical but not quite manner um that tries to take also just an observational lens through the idea of humanity which almost cannot be captured in complete you know sense of rationale and logic because you know we are so in tune with feelings and emotions um, that inspires you know like for example that collective action um, through a crisis but also you know on the flip side of that there's also compassion fatigue and that is also a pervasive you know, issue in global health and in sustainable development. We could talk about that for a whole nother podcast episode. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> for that. sure. Because it's, it's, it's a lot. And I, and I say a lot in a way that by saying it, it almost feels heavy coming out of my mouth. You know, it feels that there's, you know, this, this sense of overwhelming, uh, feeling that's like you know clouding and like just like you know becomes like, like a doom and something gloom heavy kind of thing yeah yeah but uh, even a little bit more insidious is that you can't see it but you can feel it it's something just just you know almost like is already starting to make me like slouch <laughs> yeah so to put myself back but you know to still highlight that it's an, that it is a tragic issue 
in a way that, you know, has affected even, you know, with Maui, for example, we see these effects where the way that caused the Maui wildfire wasn't just due to climate change. It was due to uh, people not, you know, cutting the grass that they had that was originally, you know, from colonial, you know, or colonization of the state when they decided not to feed cows anymore. And they're like, okay, well, we don't want to farm. And, you know, there is, there's a lot of issues at play that I also did learn through social media that attributed to this issue in a way that has boiled over and people are angry and rightfully so. And I think it's it's really a testament to see like almost like a case study of what we are about to see the entire world go through if we don't do anything by 2030. So powerful. So I, I kind of wanted to end this conversation with a question I thought about this I thought about it today where you know we have these conferences like the youth assembly we have this SDG summit we have all of these kind of big events that where people like global citizen right big events that where people come together and try to drive action I I had this feeling come over me where I was like, you know, people who are seeing these big events happening, right? They almost see the people that are on the stage almost as, for example, I remember like, you know, Malala, right? She was a huge driver of change. She, you know, and, and when you look at somebody like that, you're like, wow, well, hi, how what what is my part you know in serving the world i'm not malala you know what i'm saying it's like what what can i do as youth almost like just just an everyday person who may not have built a nonprofit or whatever you know something that would warrant being on stage at some big conference like this, like how can we feel like we're doing something about this? You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it, it feels like there's like, I was feeling like, you know, people who listen to these podcasts and they listen to these big leaders, right? They're like, wow, these people are doing great work, but what can I do? You know? So that's kind of where I want to, leave this podcast where I, I want to kind of give people some like actionable items to, to to think about, you know, in this week to kind of take take through their daily lives and to feel like they're doing something, you know, about this. Right, exactly. You know, I w- the reason why I was looking over in that direction is because I could see the I am Malala book sitting on my shelf. So it's 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 really it's it's yeah, it's a coincidental, but you know, it's like one of those serendipitous moments that really captures, you know, the way that hopefully we can live up to the standard of excellence that she has given to all of us as young people and for our future generations, because she is such a remarkable and humble person. I had the opportunity to actually listen to her through a Johnson & Johnson event when I was at Caring wow. Crowd. 
Yeah. And listening to her like live and like literally almost like in person, (laughs) you know, at the time, it was truly remarkable to hear about how humble she is, you know, because I'm sure she herself would say I am an ordinary person, you know, and that, you know, living up to that standard of Malala is, you know, very, it's, it's an honor. And also, I would imagine for her, it's also always challenging. So in that way, I don't know if I can, you know, empathize because I am only Rachel. <laughs> but, but but Rachel, let me, uh, let me say something, though, because you said, you said that I'm only Rachel. To me, I'm like, this is Rachel who is able to who who is going to these big conferences, who is able to share her voice, right? Who people she's in the room with people who have power, right? You have power in that sense with your voice. And I'm like, wow, like I would really love to be in that in that room too, you know? And mm-hmm. so for me, you're not just Rachel, you're Rachel that they're, you're doing something, you know, and I'm not saying that I'm not doing anything, but in the sense that I don't know, like in some ways I look up to you because I'm like, like she's like, I I don't know. I'm like, gib- <laughs> like blah, blubbering at this point, but well, I really appreciate I don't, I don't, it. Yeah, no, I don't feel that you're just your only Rachel. And that's that's your humbleness coming out, right? That's humble Rachel coming out. But I could say that, you know, at least because you, you, you asked two like really distinct yet important things, which is one, like, how can we follow up with like real action? And it is like that individual action that allows us to all to all of us be somebody like Malala or like Rachel or like, Patel. <laughs> like, you know, it's it always enables us to do that. And I remember telling my hairstylist like a probably like three months ago, that when we were talking about like civic engagement, she's like, well, at the end of the day, my vote doesn't matter. And I said, don't Mm -hmm. let anybody ever make you think that you are so small, that your voice, your vote doesn't matter because that's how we lose. Yeah. That's how, Mm -hmm. that's how we lose as, as a society is when we, is when we begin to not just think, but actually believe that our voices don't matter. So I'd say one of the simplest yet effective ways to have actionable steps towards meeting goals is to vote. It really is, you know, and, and to, you know, put some action behind what you want out of life. There's a lot of opportunities to engage with local communities and look and look in, in a way that localizes collective action towards global causes and you know kind of speaking about this from a civic standpoint i was recently reading becoming by michelle obama and one of the passages that really stuck with me and there's two but one is literally like a very personal one because i played piano when i was very little living in you know this rundown place i grew up 25 minutes away from her where she grew up so that's how oh, wow. close we were. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of that's like being crazy. south side Chicago, uh, northwest Indiana, like that's yeah, yeah, that's how close it was. But you know, in in a, the way that she talked about moving forward with progress is that it was 
I, I don't know in terms of like, you know, the way that she internalized it, how hard it was, but she did say that with progress comes slow change, but that mm-hmm. slow change, that little step still pivots to making big things at the end. I'm, and I'm sorry, not pivots, but it, it, it snowballs into right. something major, but we just getting that momentum or getting to that next step, even if it just seems linear, like it's just the way that the world is in terms of seeing it. Because we, I do think that our lifespan as people is is actually very, very, very short. I mean, certainly speaking of that from like, you know, universal standpoint, you know, we're less than a blink of an eye for like a 90 year lifespan. But I feel that, that even social media kind of kind of gave at least myself a little bit of this awareness, but I, I even see it in the way that that Mrs. Obama wrote about the idea of progress is that it just seems slow. And that's mm-hmm. because with technology, we can get everything at the tips of our fingers right. through a mini computer, you know, that we hold, hold in our pockets that can do literally everything for us practically, except for like literally feed us. That's like, well, I don't know. It could actually, actually I, well, you know. <laughs> you just order some yeah. DoorDash. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say DoorDash. Yeah, <laughs> everything from, but like we can't chew on the phone. You know, right. I, I wouldn't recommend that. Don't but, do that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Don't need to be a doctor to say, do not eat a phone. But, you know, to, to capture, you know, that that passage and to capture the way that we can make, you know, those small but powerful steps. That's that voting matters, that getting involved with your community matters, that by literally even just making your own bed matters because your mental health as an individual affects people around you and that's something oh that God, i that is certainly so huge learned that's so huge because your energy propagates and people can feel that yeah wow i genuinely believe that that is that is very true and even just making your bed you know can certainly give you like that sense of like okay i did something productive today and i know it's it's a even though it is like a westernized approach to think about like you know at least in terms of like productivity it's still like makes you feel like i achieved something today and that's all that matters is, you know, being able to feel good for yourself. And that also helps relate to others and not to make this, you know, I guess, you know, t- too philosophical or too high level, but, you know, those granular steps, like they make a difference, you know, even if it's just for your family, like, I mean, you know, it matters because, you know, who knows when you have, you know, a Malala to raise or, you know, a sibling that's a Malala or a oh Rachel or a Hetal, you know? So yeah, that's, yeah, that's where I'm going to, to leave you with. Oh, so good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Rachel. This is, I'm so happy that we were able to finally make this work, but thank you for what you do. And I'm going to leave your information in the show notes so if anybody wants to reach out to rachel if she if you want to connect with her please connect with her she's doing some really awesome things so thank you for coming on thank you certainly a pleasure thank you for listening to this episode 
If you'd like to learn more about today's topic and guest, head over to the show notes linked in the description of this episode. There, you can get access to resources, links, and ways you can get involved in the pursuit for global health. And if you loved this episode, don't forget to write me a review on Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast on Spotify. It helps me get in front of more people just like you and continues to elevate the causes we are so passionate about. I'll see you in the next one.